Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. What a great truth. He will hold us fast, no matter what the situation is. Our, our Lord is such a gracious shepherd, and He does hold us fast. It was kind of humbling going back to the seat, and my son says, and whacks me, and says, are you going to preach today? Um, I said, yes. And I do want to share just a, a few things out of Jonah this morning, and take your Bibles and turn to Jonah chapter 3. I was uh, alerted, however, that there's one young man who decided to try to skirt the system and fly under the radar, but um, he should know that the Lord prompts our heart. But Karen Smith, where are you? There you are. Graduated from Pole Line School, not Pole Line Street, but Pole Line School, correct? Is that what they called it? Lyman College. College. Yeah. So a third generation idle power guy, is that kind of what's going to happen? Yeah, will you do me a favor and tell them the lower rates? Okay, I appreciate that, but congratulations. You know, we think about college and we think about these trades and these things, but uh, that's, that's a joy and delight. Uh, congratulations. Let's open prayer. Father, again, we thank you for the morning and for the joy just to come and to celebrate life and the events of life. Uh, more importantly, Lord, we also come to look to you. We, we love you. We, we thank you for your truth and how it sets us free. How it takes a sinner reveals what is right and holy in Christ and transfers an imputed righteousness from the atonement of Jesus. Extended to the one who has faith and repentance, Lord, we are a grateful people when we think about your marvelous hand in the life of salvation. Thank you for your grace and mercy. And even as we open up the book of Jonah, Father, we we see a remarkable, astonishing feat. We see a city far from your ways. Repent. And so we just ask that you be about our time and may we marvel, may we glory in your goodness and kindness. We pray these things. Asking that you be with your servant as he desires to honor you. We pray in the Savior's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, look with me as I read God's Word, starting in verse 1 of Jonah chapter 3. The holy inspired Word of God says this, <clears throat> Now the Word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh, according to the Word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. And Jonah began to go through the city, one day's walk, and he cried out 
It said, <clears throat> said for, yet for 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God. And they called, <clears throat> excuse me, called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Pretty remarkable when we, when we read this. And of course, we've been expositing this great prophet, this book, which finds itself with a lot of life lessons. The title of today's sermon, if I can get my throat going with me here, is The Necessity of Faith and Repentance. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, we started Jonah chapter 3, noting the fact that God in His mercy and in His love for His prophet Jonah, that He gave Jonah a second chance. A second chance to follow His word and be commissioned to go to Nineveh and preach judgment. Remember that it was our great God who rescued Jonah, and we marveled at that, the reality of God sending a great fish to swallow him. Jonah thinking that he's outside the vision of God, and yet God was there every step of the way. It was God's desire all along to show his sovereign power in delivering not only Jonah, but, but also a pagan Gentile city with a call to repent or else. Jonah receiving that same grace and mercy became a proclaimer of God's great grace and mercy. And what happens next is nothing but astonishing. A city, think about Twin Falls, a city of, 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 of hundreds of people. Repent and believe. You have to ask the text a question. What was the, at, at the heart of this revival? A, a, a reluctant prophet going to a city, just saying what is recorded for us, a few words, that in 40 days, judgment is coming. It's not recorded to us. All that Jonah maybe had prophesied to them. But even in those words, it was enough for the people to hear and to turn from their wicked ways. What was at the heart of this revival? It's remarkable to think about this. What was at the heart of this transformation where a pagan city would forsake all they knew about their false gods? That they would turn from their evil ways and embrace the message of a prophet from, get this, an enemy who came with authority of God, and spoke. And in turn, their hearts were transformed to worship the living God. Simple answer is this, beloved. Faith and repentance. There's a lot, that, of course, that we can see behind the scenes, and we know that God prepared His people to hear the Word, even though we have a reluctant prophet, even though we have an enemy, even though it's a pagan city, we have people, God working in the hearts to receive such a message. I mean, when you break down verse 5, which serves as an overall statement of what flows from verses 6 through 9, you'll see this overarching truth 
of faith and repentance. Look at verse 5 with me again. It says, then the people of Nineveh believed in God. That is faith. And they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. That is an act of repentance. Beloved, this is nothing short than the mighty hand of God on display. Where God is doing big things to display His character and to show that He is sovereign over the hearts of all creation. Your pastor wants you to be amazed at verse 5. I want you to be in awe of the God who changes the hearts of people. What struck me in studying this passage, I couldn't get past this verse. Verse 5 is phenomenal when you think about it. This verse should get our attention. It should cause us to pause. It should cause us to worship. It should cause us to shout hallelujah in knowing that God is such a gracious God that he will take a sinful city and turn it towards his heart. I think about the reality of that. As we will find, Jonah's not pleased in chapter 4. But to some degree, that's, that's beside the point. God is on display here. I think about salvation where Scripture tells us that even the, the, the heavenly angels rejoice when they see just one sinner repent. And it causes us to be in awe. In awe of all that God can do in turning a heart to receive His grace and mercy through faith and repentance. Listen, beloved, the Bible's very clear. In order for anyone to be saved, for anyone to receive eternal life, to be born again, they must believe in Jesus Christ and repent from their sins. Which means that their life is transformed. I bring this to your attention because we live in a day and age where evangelicalism has, has slaughtered the gospel. What concerns me as a pastor and what should concern you as a born-again believer in Christ is that in today's modern evangelism, even the, the, the overarching evangelicalism, it has stripped the power of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ and has made it so appetizing that even demons think that they are saved. What do I mean by that? Listen, throughout your Bible, salvation or redemption is a two-sided coin on one side you have faith, on the other side you have repentance, and they go together, and they don't exist without one or the other. And in today's evangelism, it's almost like the preachers are thinking, let's get rid of the repentance and just call people to believe. Just receive Jesus. And yet what's happening is that they're making false converts. Why? Because the other side of the coin hasn't been understood. There's not a call for a transformation of life. There's not a call for repentance. I mean, what's wrong with, with our churches today that, that would, would proclaim a message that strips the power of repentance? That's the joy of the sinner who is able to look at this and realize that there's a God who can save me. False conversions, false hope, and churches are, are filled with individuals who think they are saved, saved but... There's no power in the church. 
Why? Because people aren't saved. I mean, just because somebody professed Jesus as Lord doesn't mean that they're saved. They must have a life that shows actions of that profession. There must be a transformation. And if there is no transformation, I would say that their profession is void. I mean, this is something that we see and, 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 and herald. There's, there's been godly men who've been able to champion the cause here, who be able to go after this and, and to help us to understand these things. But the issue that, that the pulpits love to embrace is what is called easy believism, that all you have to do is say Jesus and you're saved. This, by the way, was heralded. If you were to look into church history, there was a book by a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary by the name of Zane Hodges. He didn't last there long, but he wrote a book called Absolutely Free, and it was written in 1989. And that is, all you have to do in order to be saved is just to believe in Jesus. What's remarkable, if you haven't read that book, he goes on in that book to say that you don't necessarily have to have a tight Christology. In other words, you don't have to believe everything about Jesus in order to be saved. In other words, you don't necessarily have to believe in Christ's incarnation. You don't have to believe in his death and even his resurrection. All you have to do is believe that Jesus can give you eternal life. I'm astounded to think such a work would, would, would make its way through the church universal in, in such a way that it would cause people to have a theology that strips the power of what the truth says of, when it comes to repentance. I mean, no wonder we have a weak universal church. No wonder there's no power in the church because there's no saving power in the pew and there's no saving power in the pulpit. Listen, if there's one biblical truth that Satan wants us to get wrong, it is salvation. By the way, there's a backstory of why he came up with this theology. If you know anything about Zane Hodges, you know that he was married to a Catholic wife who had cancer, and who had died. He was so distraught and trying to understand, is my wife in heaven? Will I see her again? All she said is that I trust Jesus, but, but there was no life. And so yet he goes into the scriptures with a, with a heavy heart, trying to find theology to get her into heaven. And yet that damning theology is still promoted today. Hodges rewrote and put an emphasis on faith in what he saw his wife say, and he excuses the transformation, the repentance, because he clearly saw that his wife didn't engage in that. Let me say it this way, beloved. You, Zane Hodges, or any other man or woman can never change the way in which salvation is given by our Lord. Salvation, conversion, being born again has two elements and it's always in the scriptures. It's faith in Jesus Christ and repentance of sin. That is the gospel that Jesus Christ preached. That is the gospel that John the Baptist preached. That is the gospel that the apostles preached. 
And that is the gospel that you and I must preach. It is the great Bible teacher, H.A. Ironside, who rightly said this, and look at this quote on the screen, it's, and I quote him here, shallow preaching that does not grapple with the terrible fact of man's sinfulness and guilt, calling on in, calling in all men everywhere to repent, results in shallow conversions. And so we have myriads of, of glib-tongued professors today who give no evidence of regeneration whatever. Creating of salvation by grace. They, they manifest no grace in their lives, loudly declaring that they are justified by faith alone. They fail to remember that faith without works is dead and that justification by works before men is not to be ignored as though it was a contradiction to the justification by faith before God. End quote. I mean, that's a powerful quote that puts its thumb on the pulse of today's Christianity. And so with the time I have left, six minutes, <laughs> let me just give you a little bit of taste, because I want you to see from the Scriptures why this is so important. First, let us look at faith. Faith, belief, is recognizing very simply that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, who came to this world in His incarnation to die, to resurrect, and to ascend back to heaven. Faith is believing all that Jesus came and all, believing all that Jesus did. It's not excusing the supernatural, thinking there's no way that it can happen. Listen, if Jesus did it, it happened. God will not accept anything less or anything else except for the blood of Jesus Christ for your salvation. True saving faith is the sinner recognizing his own helpless condition and trusting Christ as his righteous and sacrificial substitute. That's what it means to atone. That's the only possible means of escaping the just penalty for our sins. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1.16 said this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. And what does he say to everyone who believes? Of course, faith has an object. It's Jesus Christ, everything that he has done. He goes on to say to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. Beloved, salvation is not merely profession or professing to be a Christian, nor is it about baptism, nor is it about church membership. No, it is about moral reform. It's not about going to church or doing the ordinances or living a life of self-discipline and sacrifice. Beloved, salvation is believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what it means to have faith in Him. Salvation comes through giving up of one's own goodness, his own works and knowledge, and realizing I am worthless without Jesus. And yet man tries to attempt their way and, and desires to help in this cause and, and think that maybe, maybe even some good works can, can help my case. But there's nothing sinners can do to gain a right relationship with a holy God except through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, chapter, eight, or chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says this, For by grace ye have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And what is remarkable about our God and His salvation is not only does He provide the means of salvation by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, but He gives the very ability to lay hold of that salvation when you turn in 
faith, when you repent and you believe. There's this human element of responsibility in the midst of salvation that calls the, the sinner to receive the grace and mercy of Jesus. The call of faith is to believe in the substitutional sacrifice of Christ on the cross for you. I mean, this is throughout the Scriptures. Let me just give you a little bit of it. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, remember in chapter 3, John chapter 3? He pointed out this truth in which we often go to and we remind ourselves. But this interaction pretty much sums it up about what salvation is all about. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus is our salvation. He is the one who reconciles a sinful sinner to a holy and righteous God. There's nothing else that you can do to add to that. That's why we come crying for mercy to Christ. I think of the Philippian jailer when they cried out as he, they, he was um, overseeing Paul and Silas in the jail in Acts chapter 16. And he said this, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. I mean, God's word is clear. Salvation apart from faith in Christ is impossible. And we're talking about the Christ of the scriptures. We're not talking about a Christ that's been redefined, refashioned, we're talking about clearly the Son of God who was incarnate in a virgin birth, who displayed miracle after miracle, who healed the blind and make the lame to walk. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the one who brings salvation. We must have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. So much so, it says in Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Faith. Saving faith is embracing and believing in the whole person of Jesus Christ for your salvation. You embrace His Lordship over your life. You embrace His atonement and sacrifice for your sins. You embrace all that He is and all that He has done, and there isn't an ounce of unbelief in all that He is. Oh yeah, you can marvel and try to understand exactly how all this unfolds and how this comes together. But listen, Jesus Christ is the one who has brought us salvation. He is the one who has given us hope. And the call is for us as, as sinners to come to Him in faith. I mean, I think about Christ's message throughout the Gospels. Uh, he freed people from the bondage of their sin. He would tell people to, to take up your mat and walk. He would tell Zacchaeus to come down from a tree. For we're going to your house today and we're going to have supper. Christ offers, yes, eternal life and forgiveness for repentant sinners. But at the same time, he often rebuked the shallow nature of those who were religiously think that they got it all right and called them into submission to what is truth. 
Jesus often put sinners on notice that they must turn from their sin and embrace God's righteousness. And if that's not enough, I mean, you think about Jesus, I mean, the cost to follow Jesus, he wasn't shy about that. He never preached the message that says, you know what, Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life. He knew that the cost of discipling, of following Jesus was going to cost them something. He taught them often saying that, you know what, you will be persecuted, just like I'm going to be persecuted. Don't be amazed by that. Jesus taught that the cost of following him is high and that the way is narrow. I think of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravaged wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I mean, you talk about a gospel that was so clear, so straight-pointed. It, it, it is something for us to, to grasp and understand that faith is at the center of it all. The other side of this coin, real quickly, repentance. Whereas faith embraces Jesus as the only hope for our salvation, repentance turns from your sin and in turn turns towards Christ. That's why this is so important. Because too often in the Christian life, we tell people, oh, you just need to believe. just need to believe. And yet they don't understand the significance. They still have their life on the throne room of their heart, and they're wondering why things are not going well. Well, a lot of it's because of this. They haven't fully understood the issue of repentance, of turning from their sins. By the way, that's what conversion means. That's what salvation means. Repentance is an inward response, just as much as faith is an inward response. I think of the word faith, pistos in the Greek, it has the idea of not just intellectual assent, it is believing and knowing what Christ has done and receiving it into your soul that you in turn change your life and believe what it says. Same thing with repentance. Metanoia in the Greek has the idea of changing of mind, of turning from what you think life is good and what life is, and it turns to the one who calls for you to live righteously. I mean, Jesus used repentance all the time, and it was a call to leave your old life and turn to the new life in him. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He said, For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols. That's repentance, to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath 
to come. Throughout the scripture, we see the call to repent from sin and turn to God. Christ warned his followers of the eternal consequences of this rebellion, of sinful rebellion, saying in Luke 13, verse 5, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. I think of Paul's sermon on, on Mars Hill, and at the end of that sermon, he says this in Acts 17, he says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. I mean, Scripture repeatedly points to this reality. And often, you'll find examples where Scripture refers to faith and repentance in the same vein, that they work together together. I think of Jesus in his words in Mark chapter 1 where he says, Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Repent and believe in the gospel. I think of Paul in Acts chapter 20 verse 21 where he says, Solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I can go on and on, but it's there. Repent and believe. That's the power of the saving gospel that Jesus Christ has, has given us, that God has shown us. I mean, the biblical testimony is clear. The gospel is a call to repent and believe. Faith and repentance are, are these moving factors in the life of a, of a sinner that causes him to be born again. All of that's introduction to Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. But I want you to see the, the importance of this. Faith and repentance. And so when we get to verse 5, Lord willing, next week, and we see the, the outpouring of this, you can just rejoice in knowing what God is doing here. Bringing truth, a call to, to believe, a call to repent. And they both must both be present. And we see them both present. We saw them both present. If you, if you remember our scripture reading in Isaiah 55, they're both there. And such is the case here. Though they might be hidden behind the scenes, this is what motivates. We see the outcome of what happens when somebody repents and believes. The gospel, beloved, is simple. It is, Right? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. In turn, repent from your ways and turn to Jesus Christ. It is only that truth that will save your soul. I don't know why the world desires to put a different spin on it. I can, I can guess the spiritual battle that's happening there. It's not too often that you will kind of turn attend a church, last week talk about wrath, this week talk about faith and repentance. But I don't want you to walk away thinking that, you know what, man, he just brings the hammer and he doesn't give us any hope. Listen, faith and repentance is hope. Why? Because it frees you from the grips of eternal death and eternal condemnation. That's the joy of Jesus. That's the joy of understanding all that he is and all that he's done 
But here's the beautiful thing about it. You know exactly where your heart is. It's not so much that your pastor knows where your heart is. It's important to know where your heart is in light. And by the way, God knows what you're thinking. Have you truly repented and have you truly believed? Have you received Christ and His grace? That is the message that will save you. Amen? Lord, we thank you for the morning and for all the celebrations and the gathering of the saints and the body of Christ. And we marvel at your goodness and kindness in our lives. For some you have redeemed for a long time. They are walking faithfully in the truth. They have and can recall the, the moment where they have repented and believed in Jesus Christ. Father, we rejoice in your grace. Father, I'd be a fool not to think that there's some here who, who haven't embraced faith and repentance. Spirit, have your way with their heart, with the words that have been proclaimed, the word of scriptures. May they marvel at Jesus Christ, knowing that they can find redemption in the Savior. The one who willingly laid aside some of his attributes to, to indwell in flesh and go to the cross and atone for our sins. Jesus, we love you. We marvel at, at all that you have done. We are awestruck by the reality of, of your goodness and kindness to us. So much so that it, it launches us to think about what's exactly happening in the book of Jonah. And we know what's happening, repentance and faith. Father, for the one who doesn't believe, Father, may you convict, may you draw, and may they believe and repent and turn from their evil ways and turn to the one who can save them. Have your work with their hearts. Continue to strengthen those who, who, who have and may you receive all the glory for it. Oh, to rise up a church. Oh, to rise up a city. Oh, to rise up a nation where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. All this for the glory of Christ. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, who is not only our Savior, but also our Lord. We pray in His holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible.